0: Hello, this is True Crime B&B, episode 68. Welcome back. I'm Bailey. And I'm Beth. You will be going first. I will be going
1: first. I think once I start telling the story, a lot of people are going to think, oh, that sounds really familiar, but I don't think necessarily because of her case specifically, but because it happens so often and people don't think about it until it happens again.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Okay
1: start out with Beverly was born December 20th, 1963, on an Air Force base in Anniston, Alabama.
0: Okay.
1: She met her husband, Carl Carter, in 1979, so she was only 16 years old, and then they ended up getting pregnant on that Air Force base where she was living and decided to get married right after that. They had their first son, and then the couple went on to have two more sons over the years and ended up living in the suburbs just outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. All right. Beverly, as a career, decided to go into real estate. They also, this is just a side note because it's a new thing I'm trying to do, is if they have any pets, I think that humanizes a person quite a lot. For sure. She had three Yorkshire Terriers named Dakota, Abby, and Boomer. Oh, those are
0: cute names. I
1: know. September 25th, 2014, Beverly, who's 49 years old at this point, went to show a house to a couple that she'd been in contact with throughout the last week or so. She normally didn't do after-hour showings, but the couple had told her that they were offering a full cash-down payment and that they were really interested in this house. And so she switched up the rules a little bit, made an exception, and told them she'd meet them at the house about 6 p.m. that evening. Around 5.30 p.m., she called her husband, Carl, to let him know that she was on her way to that house to do the showing and that it shouldn't take her too long. She would grab dinner on the way home and feed everybody then. Okay. Okay. During this phone call, she did actually give him the address of the house so that he would know just about how far away she was going to be. Mm -hmm. And that address ended up being 14202 Old River Drive. So Carl's waiting at home this whole time to hear back from his wife about when dinner would be there and why she's not showing up after two, three hours at 9 o'clock. He decided, I'm going to go stop by that house and see if she's still there. Maybe they decided to write up a deal right then and there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And when he got there... He noticed that Beverly's car is still in the driveway along with her purse on the front seat. And then he looks into the house and the front door is wide open, unlocked and everything. And so he goes into the house and there's nobody in there. He has no sign of Beverly. It looks like she just wandered into the woods somewhere or something and never came
0: back. Wow, that must have been terrifying.
1: Carl contacted the police and they immediately blocked off the entire area of that house and then began to search the property as best they
0: could in the middle of the night, you know. They took it seriously right away. That's unusual.
1: Yeah. All of the realtors in the area also formed volunteer groups along the highways to spread. They had big poster boards of Beverly's face made, so that if anybody traveling outside of Little Rock might happen to see her, they'd be able to call it in. Mm-hmm. And also during that time, several of her co-workers and her family members received voice recordings from Beverly's cell phone. So her purse was still there, but her phone had gone wherever she had
0: gone. Okay.
1: So they had been receiving voice recordings of Beverly basically saying, Don't call the police. Don't get the police involved. This could get really bad. Warning them. Oh, boy. Finally, on Sunday, September 28th, so she was last seen Thursday evening, Sunday, September 28th, police announced that they had a warrant for arrest in the case. A man by the name of Aaron Lewis, who was 33 years old and lived nearby. They had tracked Beverly's cell phone because they obviously knew she had it. She's been sending people voice memos from it. And they put a ping on it. He had it in his car, this Aaron guy. Oh, wow. So they followed him to his house and then waited for him to leave again and just with an unmarked car followed him to see if he would take them to wherever he was holding Beverly. Okay, Unfortunately, while they were tailing him, he started to notice that he was being followed and started speeding up and got into a car accident where he ended up being hospitalized and had to go in to get CT scans and MRIs and all that done. So the police kind of had to give up custody until the emergency part of him being treated was done with.
0: And in the meantime, they don't know if Beverly's someplace where she's suffocating or...
1: They have no idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're waiting in the parking lot for Aaron to be done with that so that he can speak to them finally. By the time he was done, I don't know if there was a miscommunication with the hospital or something like that, but he ended up checking himself out and leaving without the police knowing. Oh, and so no. by the time they went back into the hospital to see what the status was, they're like, oh, yeah, he's already been discharged.
0: Oh. Yep. Wow. No clue where he is.
1: No clue where he is, but they do have his address and his car, and he's been arrested multiple times before, so they at least know what he looks like. So they released that to the public. Because of that bolo they released, they were able to take him into custody by Monday evening, so the next day. Okay, that's good. They hunted him down found him. During his interrogation, Aaron admitted to having kidnapped Beverly, because not only was he tracked having her cell phone, but also when they looked through paperwork in the car, the couple had the same last name as Aaron. He used, like, a different first name, but he used his last name. Smart. Yeah. (laughs) Super smart. He said, yes, I did kidnap her. But I didn't harm her. She's still where I left her. Police were like, okay, well, where did you leave her then? And he said, I'm not going to tell you that.
0: Because you did harm her, you mother.
1: Realizing that they're not going to get any further information from him, police decided to contact the people in Aaron's life, and they found out that he had recently left work at a factory that made concrete products nearby. He's like, I know some good places to hide things in here. Mm-hmm. They continued to interrogate him, but they sent other officers out to that concrete company to do a sweep of the premises, and they got full permission from his former boss. And towards the back of the property, they did locate a shallow grave, sadly confirming soon after that that Beverly Carter was no longer with us. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why did he do this? Aaron's story kind of changes once they come to him and say, okay, we found her at the place where you used to work. You need to start talking. And he basically said... She died during a consensual sex act that we were doing where she wanted me to choke her by putting the tape on her face and then she died by accident that way and then I panicked and buried her there. And that's his story. Police decided to charge Aaron with capital murder and kidnapping. Mm -hmm. He pled innocent to these in the pre-trial hearings and alluded, again, to possibly having an accomplice. A month later... October 30th, police made a second arrest, this time Aaron's wife, whose name was Crystal Lowry. At the time of the trial, Aaron fired his attorney and began representing himself, which is always a good sign. Yeah.
0: But
1: But a few months later, he grew frustrated and complained to the judge in the middle of the trial that the prosecution is not even working with me. Uh. Too bad, buddy.
0: What the fuck do you think this is, dude? This is not some sort of a... Team effort. A team building effort. This yeah. is a trial.
1: They're here to prove that you did something really fucking terrible. They're not going to be like, oh, let me help you out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Oh. What a dumbass.
1: And eventually, with the insistence of the judge, he was without consent given a new attorney because the judge was getting frustrated that he was drawing out the trial.
0: Yeah. Well, if one person is incompetent, Mm -hmm. they just make everything harder for everybody else, even if you're not on the same team.
1: Mm -hmm. In the trial itself, Crystal, his wife, decided to take a plea deal in exchange for testifying against Aaron. According to her and her testimony, she and Aaron had recently separated. However, Aaron was still living in her house with her, and he had recently been fired by that concrete company, and so he couldn't get enough money for him to move out and get away from her. So, they decided that they were going to find a wealthy woman, which they assumed a realtor would be, and kidnap her for ransom, and then eventually return her to the family, so that they would have enough money for him to go buy his own apartment, so she wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. That's the whole reason
0: this happened unbelievable yep she wants to get rid of this asshole so she decides to ruin somebody else's life
1: yeah i don't as a woman instead of just
0: throwing him out just throw him yeah, out
1: for real, i mean they don't even have the same last name it's in her name just tell them you have 30 days to get out or five days <laughs> i mean i if think you if you can't
0: find a couch to sleep on in five days then you're more useless than that's i even thought
1: valid So together, they decided to find a rural property online which they knew would be far away if there was any screaming happening that also had a female realtor listing it and kidnap her for ransom. Once they had Beverly in their car... They intended to take her to a vacant building that was on the concrete company's property and hold her there. It used to be office space, but then they had not used it in decades, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So he was like, okay, I know this building's going to be empty. We can keep her there until we get contact with her family and then hear back. When they arrived to this building at the concrete company... New activities seem to be happening around the building, though. Like, they've started to do more maintenance on it, as if something else is about to move into that. And they realize, we can't put her here. We have to take her home, I guess. And so they did. They took her back to Crystal's house. There, that's when they duct tape her all around her face, mouth, hands, everything. And then just left her inside of their bathroom. Now, the story is different depending who you ask. Aaron says he got back to the house. He had gone back to where they had stolen Beverly from, the -hmm. house that was for sale. Yeah. He had gone back there to get her belongings so that nobody would be able to trace her, except by the time he got there, the police were already on the scene, so he panicked.
0: Right, because her husband figured it out pretty quick that something was wrong.
1: Within, like, three hours, yeah. He had no choice but to go back to the house, and he says at this point... Beverly was already deceased. He got back to the house, she had somehow suffocated, and that's what he's sticking with to this day. However, Crystal says that he had taken her and said that he was going to go try to make a trade for the ransom and that she never came back.
0: And that's They all never she does. made any ransom request or demand.
1: You know how I said that Beverly had made voice memos sent to her family and friends? Okay, yeah. They were not actually her. She was already deceased at that point. It turns out that they had bought some kind of app or software where you can fake voices. If you record a phone conversation or something like that with somebody, you can fake their voice to say anything. It's like an AI-generated thing. But he said, yeah, that was an auto-generated voice. It was not her. She did not actually say any of those things. Oh,
0: wow. Wow.
1: So that was their attempt at getting the ransom from her family and they just did, never responded because they were already in contact with the police at that point.
0: I just don't understand how do you take someone and wrap their entire, even if you only cover their mouth with duct tape, mm-hmm. when you're upset and you're, oh, you're crying, your nose gets so stuffed up that sometimes it swells inside and you can't even breathe at all through your nose. So if you're putting duct tape over someone's mouth, you might as well be planning to kill them because they're going to suffocate.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, I mean, there are people who don't suffocate, but if it were me, I can't breathe through my nose half the time, even when if I'm not crying.
1: Well, weird because they both say... Oh, it was an accident. We didn't mean to kill her. We She just suffocated from the duct tape on her mouth.
0: That you put there.
1: That you put there. But Crystal also in her testimony was like, Oh, I didn't want her in the house anymore because I knew she had seen my name on all of the prescription bottles when she was being held in the bathroom. Okay, so you just gave us more reasoning why you would want this woman dead. Yeah. That sounds like perfectly plausible and convenient that she ended up not being alive after all this happened. Yeah.
0: So you weren't super sad when she did not survive your duct tape. mm
1: -hmm. And a person who genuinely, an accident happens where I didn't mean for this to happen, but I am responsible, would take that to the police. Would contact them and say, I fucked up. This woman's family is missing her and I need you to know what
0: happened. Yeah. Well, if it was truly an accident, but there was nothing about this that was accidental. So
1: I don't think anybody buys either of their story completely. After all of that. Aaron Lewis was found guilty and given two life sentences without parole. And then his wife, Crystal Lowry, received 30 years for her part. And I believe she is eligible for parole after like 15. And she keeps trying to go against it and get it reversed and less time in jail because she's like, I was a good person. I told them what they wanted to
0: know. I'm like, yeah, once you're caught. Yeah, and I'm not sure we believe half of what you said anyway. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's funny that you changed on your husband after you were arrested and not after he
0: was arrested. Or even before he was arrested. Just come forward and say what you did. Yeah. Because even if it's an accident, it's an accident that was manipulated by you. Mm -hmm. Everything that happened was you.
1: If you did not exist, this woman would still be at home getting to enjoy dinner and stuff with her family like she was supposed to do that evening. That's right. Beverly's family has worked hard to get her name and story out there warning other real estate agents that this is a very real risk and it does happen more than we hear about even. And we've heard probably 10 stories happening in the last 10 years of women realtors that's yeah. happening too.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that there has been a trend the last 15 years.
1: Because of that, Beverly's family has started the Beverly Carter Foundation where they work with people in all sorts of fields They have people who are trained in self-defense, people in law enforcement, criminology, telling you what to look out for, what you need to do as a precaution, what you need to do to verify that who you're meeting is actually who you're meeting before you get there, like you just said, Mm -hmm. like taking copies of their IDs, confirming that, doing a background check. And it sounds like a lot, but unfortunately in this world, that is the best thing to do. Is that only Um, in
0: Arkansas or is that national?
1: No, this is nationally. And they actually, the foundation, if you go donate to it, what it goes towards is paying these people who do online seminars and give classes for free and different courses you can take that can also go towards your real estate license, continuing educations every year. They're doing a big part, and they're trying to get different laws, various laws passed in all of the states. And so I think that
0: their mom would be really, really proud of them. It's really awful that that's necessary, but I'm really glad someone has picked Mm -hmm. up the ball and is running with that because it's ridiculous to just be trying to do your job and someone just decides to make you a victim, to be a predator because they know you're going to be alone. That's just disgusting.
1: Anyone who is interested in further exploring, whether that be somebody that you know is in real estate or you are yourself and you would like to take some of these free classes online, you can do so at dot beverlycarterfoundation.org, and Beverly Carter is spelled just like it is in the title of our episode. Check it out.
0: Man. Well. Oh, yeah, that's... All right, so let's talk about somebody who did make it out. Okay. It's another incidence of stranger danger, but in a different kind of a way. Hmm, Okay. More recent articles refer to this woman under a different name. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to use the name that was used in the earlier news articles because she did some interviews under that name and it appears that's how she prefers to be referred to. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go with that. Jade Logan was born in 1991. And given that Jade is alive and well after the events of this story, there isn't a lot available about her early life. But we do know that she had a generally positive outlook on life. She had lots of friends, and she's a loyal friend to those that she trusts and that do right by her. She loved to dress up and go out, laugh, dance, hang out with her friends. She's high energy, pleasant to be around, and she's an avid traveler. Traveling was her big passion, and she wanted to share that with other people. She could help other people get more fun and adventure out of their holidays, or as we say here, their vacations. So by the time she was 28, Jade had proved herself to be a go-getter and she had established and was running her own travel agency in Newport, Wales. But the timing of her fledgling business unfortunately coincided with the biggest shutdown in history. By the second quarter of 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic had started to change the whole face of travel. And in fact, lockdowns around the world meant that very few people were traveling for either business or for pleasure. Most countries around the world even had restrictions on who could even enter their borders. And many people from many countries didn't qualify. And a lot of people with health preconditions were really scared to even go out and try to travel. So just pretty much everyone was staying home. Jade was watching her clientele dwindle. And as the year rolled through summer and into the fall, she was starting to worry about whether she would be able to hang on until travel opened back up again. Everything was just a huge question mark and she had no idea how long this shutdown was going to last. In October of that year, in an effort to cheer herself up, she decided to get together with some of her close friends to celebrate her twenty-ninth birthday. It was a rare, bright moment in an otherwise interminable year. During the celebration, the group mingled with some new people, and Jade got into a conversation with a man she didn't know. His name wasn't used in any of the news articles, so I'm calling him David, Jade spent some time with David at her birthday party and the two decided to see one another again. They started dating and for a few months things were going very well. They got along really well. They enjoyed one another's company and she could confide in David about the trouble with her travel business. And it was a relief to have someone to talk to. But because Jade was under such a huge amount of stress with the business and everyone everywhere was stressed out about the pandemic lockdowns and restrictions, it started taking its toll she had lost thousands and thousands and jade ultimately was forced to close her business and cut her losses this loss made her sad depressed worried irritable and she admits that it was this stress that caused her and david to start falling apart there was bickering at first the bickering turned into arguments the conflict on top of her depression was just getting to be too much after they'd been together five months they decided to break off their relationship in april of 2021 A month after they had broken up, COVID vaccines were starting to roll out and people were starting to venture out into public again. One of Jade's friends decided to host a house party, get their friends back together, Mm -hmm. and Jade was enthusiastic to go. She wore a sparkly black top and white denim bottoms, pulled her hair back, and added huge gold hoop earrings. She was looking good. She felt great and was more optimistic than she had been in a long time. The world was starting to move again. She arrived at the house party and she was just socializing, saying hello to people she hadn't seen in a long time, running into people she really hadn't seen for a long time, and she suddenly realized that her ex, David, was also at this party. So the two of them made eye contact and drifted towards each other. They decided to step outside so they could talk and it wasn't so noisy. They stood outside, both admitting they had missed one another, and they wished that things had happened differently they had met at a different time, maybe nothing bad would have come between them. Mm -hmm. The worst of their problems had been brought on by COVID stress and the resulting financial problems, and since they still liked one another, this was happy news for both of them, that things were starting to open up again. Mm -hmm. They both leaned in and gave each other a big hug to kind of hit reset and start all over again. As they hugged, Jade heard a female voice coming from the next block of flats shouting out her name. She was confused, and as David heard the voice shouting at Jade, He turned tail and ran scurrying away. What David had figured out, and what Jade didn't know, was that the voice shouting her name was that of of another of David's exes. Oh. This woman, Kea Price, was a complete stranger to Jade. She had never seen her, nor did she know the woman's name. Kea knew who Jade was, and as she stormed towards her, standing outside of the party house, she marched right up to her screaming, Come on then, fight me! Of course, Jade had no interest in fighting this complete stranger, and she had no idea why she was even being challenged this way. It had registered that David had just bolted, so Jade was in total confusion about what the hell was happening. So clearly he knows her of some sort, but she's not sure how. Yeah. Huh. She asked Kea, what are you doing? And then she saw something shiny flash past her. Rather than give an answer, Kea Price had grabbed hold of Jade and smashed Jade in the forehead with a hammer. Ah. Creating a hole in her forehead just above her right eye. Jade saw stars, and her head was both foggy and screaming and pounding. Blood was just pouring down her face. Jade's friends saw this happening, but by the time they could get there and restrain Kaya, she had already wound up and hit Jade a second time in the side of her jaw. Jade couldn't stay on her feet. She was seeing stars, she was starting to black out. Everything faded to black as she remembered hearing some sirens in the distance. She woke up in the hospital, all alone because no one was allowed to visit at that time because of COVID. She was at Grange University Hospital in Cumbran, and she was scared. She had a serious injury. She had an absolutely splitting headache. Her face was a mess. She managed to make it into the bathroom and looked at herself in the mirror. Her eye was completely swollen shut. The rest of her face was swollen and covered with little cuts. There was a literal hole in her forehead that had been stitched together. It looked like cross-stitch that just went back and forth, back and forth. So Jade was looking at herself in the mirror that day, and she said, I was a mess. I look like Quasimodo. She was devastated. She's in terrible pain. She's had these terrible headaches. She had to be there alone. Nobody that she knew or loved could come and comfort her. She still didn't understand why this had even happened. She had no idea who had done this or why she had been singled out.
1: so scary, just not even knowing the context of what happened to you, and then you're not even allowed to talk it through with mom. Exactly,
0: exactly. Well, she could probably call her on the phone, but (sighs) when she spoke to her medical staff, she learned that it had taken 14 stitches, 14 X stitches to close the hole in her forehead. Had the trajectory of the hammer been just slightly different, Jade could have lost her eye. Absolutely. Or she could have been permanently blinded. At this point, Jade still didn't know who Kea Price was or why she had attacked her. Police had come to her room to tell her that Price had been arrested at the crime scene, but it was still two more days when she was getting ready to leave the hospital that one of her friends, who also happened to know Kea Price, told Jade what had prompted the attack. Kea had previously dated David, and she wasn't happy with them being broken up. So when she saw David and Jade hugging outside the party, she had just come after her. So, acting like a psycho is really going to get him to want you back, I'm sure. You well, know. not
1: to mention, if you see your ex-boyfriend that you're still in love with or infatuated with, whatever, at a party, and upon seeing you, he flees in the opposite direction, girl, it's time to let him go. He does not want you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jay's <sighs> response to hearing this knowledge was, I couldn't believe she'd attacked me over a boy. She was evil. Yeah. And not only evil, but stupid. Kea Price ruined her own life to take out her anger on someone who had nothing to do with her anger. And she's ruined her own life over a guy who obviously isn't going to get back with her for doing something like this. Mm -hmm. So it's just stupid. So as Jade started healing from her terrible brain injury and her pain and her headaches, and actually I think she still has headaches now that I say that. I can imagine, yeah. But David started blowing up her phone with calls and texts. He was concerned and worried and trying to find out how she was doing. But Jade chose her dignity and blocked him. She said if he would run away and not even warn her that Price was a nut when he heard her voice, Mm -hmm. she could never count on him. Absolutely not. So she blocked his number and refused to take his calls.
1: I mean, would you marry somebody that if somebody broke into your house in the middle of the night, he'd just leave you asleep in the bed and then go out the back door and run? No thanks.
0: They're like, do what you want with her, but just (laughs) leave me alone. (laughs) She's slower than me. Get her first. So Price was arrested. She had been picked up at the scene. Mm -hmm. She was released on bail, which was extremely stressful and frightening to Jade, who had tried not to leave her home because she didn't know if she was going to run into her out on the street. Jade moved out of the area in June a month after the attack because she just wanted to live her life without this hanging over her every single day. Price was finally charged, officially charged, in November of 2021 with the charge of infliction of grievous bodily harm with intent. She denied the charge, meaning there was a chance that Jade would have to testify against her in court. Jade said she felt sick at the thought of giving evidence in court. She did not want to see this woman again. But in January of 2023... Price pled guilty to the charge of affliction of grievous bodily harm, which was a reduction because it was not with intent. She Mm -hmm. was scheduled for her sentencing hearing in February, but it appears that it was continued until May. So, next month we should know. To be determined. (laughs) Yeah, next month we should have her sentence. Hey guys, sorry if that's a little bit confusing. We record two weeks in advance, so when we recorded this, it was the middle of April. Granted, it is now May when you're hearing this, but we don't yet have the information about what her sentence is. Back to the program. And I wanted to see if Jade had managed to rebuild her business, and I found a Facebook page that originated from a few months after the attack on her, and it looks like she was trying to get it back going again, but nothing was posted on it after last August, so it seems like she took a job with another travel agency. I mean, she just went through a trauma and, you know, everything's opened back up again. But it's really hard to just jump right back into where you jumped out of something. She seems to be working for someone else, but she got back into what she loves. She's moved on with her life as best as possible. Mm -hmm. She's back with her friends. Aside from some lingering headaches and I'm sure some PTSD, she seems to be living a happy life. And after going through such a traumatic brain injury, which could have resulted in a lot of different serious problems, she went through a terrible thing by a woman that she had no issue with. She didn't know existed. But she's come out the other side, back on track in her world. And after I finished researching this, I saw that Kaya Price had another conviction from a year before the attack on Jade for what they called a joint assault in 2020. So apparently she got probation or something for that. But she already had that conviction. She's just a winner all the way. Yeah. I really wanted to high-five Jade when she blocked his number. Absolutely. Because you know what? Women bend over backwards to be what men need them to be. Mm-hmm. We turn into completely different people. Mm-hmm. And here this asshole couldn't even say, Oh, come with me. She's dangerous.
1: Yeah, I mean just pull her into an alcove at the party and hide for a minute till this psycho's gone and then you can explain.
0: Yeah, Wait. you can't tell me that she meant something to you if you couldn't even look out for her physical safety when a psycho was coming at her with a hammer. So, I think that's all I've got today for episode 68. Agreed? Okay. So, if you are interested in following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can find us at True Crime BNB. And if you would like to send us an email with a case request or a correction or an opinion about something we've talked about, we would be happy to receive that from you at truecrimebmpod
1: at gmail.com. Thank
0: you. I couldn't come up with it.
1: <laughs> and if you would like to follow our little Screamy Meow Bear, a.k.a. Puss, you can do so at Puss on Instagram. She posts pictures to let you know what she's been up to. Mm-hmm. And Usually nothing good.
0: But you can't send her an email because she doesn't have thumbs and she can't open the laptop.
1: You can send her a message and we'll read it out loud to her. That's fine.
0: On Instagram.
1: On Instagram. <laughs> Please don't email her. We still
0: don't check that. So I think that's it today, guys. And we thank you for being here. I think we had a goodbye in there, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Okay. We have the waves, Katrina and the. Boots. Is that
1: a band? I'm walking on sunshine. I thought you were making a tasteless joke about hurricanes. <laughs> I was like, Mom, I know that was like ten years ago, but too soon. Carmen and Joanna would be like, Not funny, Beth. After Crystal decides to tell on him, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. 10:30 at night the bottom of Tennessee somewhere. They were like, oh, I'm sorry, our bathroom is closed. If you go behind this vacant rural gas station about a block that way into the field, there's a little trailer. The lights don't work, but you can use your flashlight while you go to the bathroom there. It should be unlocked. Yeah, thank you very much, ma'am. And I just went, and and as I'm sitting in the toilet, I'm like, you dumb bitch. (laughs) If somebody is waiting out there, what are you gonna do? You have a Honda key. Yeah, so I just put that on my knuckle, and I was like, Well, I guess I'm ready to fight like hell when I
0: open this door. (laughs) At least that's not Mike, I guess. (laughs) The only thing that could be worse about you, David, was if your name was Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, a lot of people think Barry White is very sexy. And not anymore, he's not.